Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Shaykh Khalid Muhammad. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Welcome back brothers to the 12th lesson of the Sira series. Last lesson we concluded speaking about the topic of the mother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and we mentioned certain narrations regarding her and certain narrations regarding the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam visiting her grave and I wanted to begin today's lesson with finishing off with one last narration about this topic. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as Buraida one of the companions radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he says قال كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فنزل بنا ونحن معه قريب من ألف راكب فصلى ركعتين ثم أقبل علينا بوجهه وعيناه تذرفان. He says this companion that we were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم on a journey. According to uh, one narration, one version, it was a campaign. Uh, anyway, the point is they were on a journey, and he says and we dismounted, descended to make a stop. And we were approximately almost 1,000 people, 1,000 people you know, on the riding beasts. So he prayed two rak'at and then he turned to us crying. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was weeping. فَبُرَيْضَ he says, فَقَامَ إِلَيْهِ عُمَرُ بْنُ الْخِطَّابِ Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he stood to him. فَفَدَّاهُ بِالْأَبِ وَالْأُمْ He says, my, my father and mother be sacrificed for you, ya Rasulullah. مَا لَكَ What's the matter with you? What's wrong? So then he says here, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, إِنِّي سَأَلْتُ رَبِّ فِي الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ لِأُمِّي فَلَمْ يَأْذَنْ لِي فَدَمَعَتْ عَيْنَايَ رَحْمَةً لَهَا مِنَ النَّارِ That indeed I sought permission from my Lord to seek forgiveness, to seek forgiveness for my mother, and he did not allow me to, he did not permit me to, so I began to cry out of uh, compassion and mercy for her from the fire. And this is the point I wanted to mention, and actually that part of the hadith is the reason I wanted to mention that. Our goal, my brothers, as you know, on this uh, earthly existence is to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. We know that's why we were created, subhanAllah. Some brothers on their journey of worshiping Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, whether they do it directly or indirectly, of course, usually unintentionally, inshaAllah, but some brothers act like what? Like the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal and Jannah and the likes is only for them. And when it comes to other people, it's almost as if it's their mission to get them off the uh, religion or to get them off the manhaj and the likes. And this is not the way we should be. Especially as Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, as Ibn Taymiyyah rahim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that they are the most merciful, not only the most knowledgeable, but the most merciful to the creation. So you should look at your brothers and your sisters. And you should look at others generally, whether believers or disbelievers, and you should want for them and hope for them guidance. Just like you want to and hope for that for yourself. If I look at the Prophet wasallam. of course it's his mother. And he says that I wept, I cried. Not just because of the relationship, but out of that compassion and mercy for her from the fire. You should not wish for anyone, nor should you be happy or excited or ecstatic or anything like this. You should not have these kind of emotions when you see your brothers and your sisters going down a wrong path. Going down a path that may lead to the hellfire and the likes. We added last lesson as well that there was still remnants of the da'wah of Ibrahim alayhi salam and the da'wah in general 
before the sending of the Prophet ﷺ, because some people when we spoke about the topic of the parents of the Prophet ﷺ, and as we're going to see today inshaAllah, the grandfather of the Prophet ﷺ being in the hellfire, they think, what about the people of the Fatra, which is the people of the time period or frame between the two prophets or two messengers, that they didn't get the message and the likes. The point is that we know from the narrations what we've already mentioned. This is crystal clear and clear cut. But it's also mentioned regarding this as proof and evidence that when you see the people of the fire or the kafar, the graveyard, the Prophet ﷺ informed one of the companions to give them tidings of the hellfire. And that shows once again, and in one version of these ahadith, and some of the ulama criticize the authenticity, in one version it mentions the people of Jahiliyyah, which shows that they got the message, they received the message. Or as some of the ulama did mention as well, talking about these topics, that even if they get tested on the day of resurrection, those specific ones that were mentioned, Wallahu a'lamu fail the test. The point is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, rahimahullahu ta'ala, he says, or radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, wa radiyallahu anhu, a Bedouin came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he said, my father used to uphold the ties of kinship. And remember brothers, when we spoke about some of the kafar, they might do deeds which are seemingly good. They might maintain those ties of kinship. They might give in charity. They might, wallah, adopt and help in the orphans in one, two, three, we spoke about that topic of adoption as well and the halal version and the haram version. We already went through that. The point is you might see them do good deeds. But if they die on kufr or shirk, the major, then they are not going to enter Jannah. This is something Allah has promised us. This is something which Allah Azza wa Jal has promised us. For here, he says that my father used to uphold the ties of kinship and so on and so forth. And he mentioning what he used to do. Where is he now? The Prophet ﷺ said in the hellfire. And then a bit after the narration, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ says, whenever you pass by the grave of a kafir, then give him tidings of the hellfire. This Bedouin Arab later, after becoming Muslim, he says that the Prophet ﷺ gave me a difficult mission. That whenever I pass by the grave of a kafir, I give him tidings of the hellfire. And this is an authentic narration. And there's a few other versions. We're not going to get into these topics too much because inshallah we want to get to the main crux of the topic very soon of today. The next topic though, leading into that main topic, is now the protection, the guardianship, the custody if you'd like to say, of, uh, of Abdul Muttalib, the grandfather of the Prophet ﷺ. After the death of his mother Amina, now the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam went into the custody or the guardianship uh, to be taken care of by his grandfather, father, Abdul Muttalib. And Abdul Muttalib, his name was Shaybah. Shaybah means grey-haired or ancient. And it's mentioned like that, or white-haired, yani. And it's mentioned that they named him that because amongst or amidst his black hair, he had a streak of white hair. Wallahu a'lam. Wallahu a'lam. But the point is his name was Shaybah. After the death of his mother, we said, Abdul Muttalib took the role of being his primary caretaker. And Abdul Muttalib loved the messenger of Allah, his grandson, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, dearly. He loved him with a great love. And he cared for him yani, with an extreme care. 
And naturally, he was already a very generous man. And he was very respected amongst the people. And he actually uh, maintained or upheld the family tradition of taking care of the Kaaba and offering the pilgrims, those who would go for the pilgrimage. He used to offer them the food and the drink. And he used to take care and meet some of their needs and everything that he could and the likes. Once again, upholding that family tradition. And really, you can picture it, brothers. His beloved son, Abdullah, passed away. His beloved son, Abdullah, passed away. But Abdullah left his son, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now, subhanallah, how Allah azza wa jal decreed that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam almost like take the, takes the spot of his father Abdullah as like a son to Abdul Muttalib. As almost like a son to Abdul Muttalib. And one of the examples of how much, that shows how much he loved uh, uh, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was that Abdul Muttalib had like a special seating area or place around the Kaaba. Around the Kaaba. And it's mentioned that he had like a special cushion or a designated special spot where he would sit. So much so that only he would sit and even his own children, they would not sit in this spot. And it was يعني, in like the covering or the shaded area uh, uh, around the Kaaba. Even to the extent we said his own kids would not sit. And when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would go to sit in that spot, Abdul Muttalib's children, which were the uncles from the father's side of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would take him off it. Because that was for their father, and everyone knew that. And out of respect, no one else used to, used to sit there. But when Abdul Muttalib would come and see his sons taking off their nephew Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would tell them to leave him, for indeed he is a very important boy. Abdul Muttalib could see in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from foresight and the likes that he's going to be something very, very uh, special. As he would say, da'u ibni, da'u ibni, yani, yajlis, let my son sit. Fawallahi inna lahu la sha'na. Fawallahi inna lahu la sha'na. As for the death of Abdul Muttalib, the grandfather of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ibn Kathir rahimahullahu ta'ala, he says, ثُمَّ كَانَ فِي كَفَالَةِ جَدِّهِ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ إِلَىٰ أَن تُوُفِّيَ وَلَهُ مِنَ الْعُمُرِ ثَمَانِ سِنِينَ In his tafsir, he mentioned that he was under the care, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was under the care of his grandfather Abdul Muttalib until he said, or sorry, until he died, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was eight years old. And Ibn Qayyim in Zadul Ma'ad mentions almost exactly that phrase as well. And Abdul Muttalib died likewise as an idol worshipper. Likewise, he died as an idol worshipper on the, uh, 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 pretty much uh, uh, way of, of many of those at his time. Ibn Kathir says in a seerah, that the purpose here is to inform that Abdul Muttalib died upon what he claimed to have followed, uh, the religion of the days of ignorance, in opposition to what the Shia sect claim about him and his son Abu Talib. Abu Talib, we're about to get to him inshallah. That was the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who also loved the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam daily. So Ibn Kathir is saying here that Abdul Muttalib died upon what he claimed to have followed during the days or during uh, uh, the religion of the days, or he claimed to have followed the religion that he claimed to follow during the days of ignorance. And as we said, this was idol worship, and he died as a disbeliever. And here, 
Al-Bayhaqi rahimahullah expands on this and he says, how can it not be seeing that both his parents, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallams, that both his parents and his grandfather used to worship idols until they died. And this is very important subhanallah because this is coming from Al-Bayhaqi rahimahullah ta'ala. Unlike what spread today amongst contemporary misguided uh, scholars and the likes where they say that it's only the pretty much Ahlul Sunnah, but what they refer to as Wahhabis that spread this, you know, concept that the parents of the Prophet ﷺ were not Muslim. But as you can see, it dates back to, to the scholars, yani right uh, at the time of the Salaf or just after them. For he says, how can it not be seeing that both his parents and his grandfather used to worship idols until they died? And they did not follow the religion of Isa ibn Maryam alayhim as-salam. And their kufr does not harm his lineage. Yani just because someone's parents might have died on disbelief, or someone's children might have died on disbelief, or for example, you my brother are a practicing person, and we've spoken a lot about this, but just as a reminder, that you my brother or you my sister are practicing, but your parents aren't, or your children aren't, or your brothers and your sisters are from the worst of people. How does that affect you whatsoever or your lineage? It doesn't. For Al-Bayhaqi rahimahullah is saying, their kufr does not harm his lineage at all because their marriage was correct or as their marriage was correct. And then he goes on to say that pretty much when there are kafar, even kafar who get married according to their ways from the Christians and the Jews and the likes, then it is valid. That is why if they accept Islam together, for example, they don't need to repeat the marriage contract. They don't need to repeat the marriage contract. As the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he mentioned that I was born of a legitimate marriage. I was born of a legitimate marriage. After Abdul Muttalib, Abu Talib took the guardianship. And it's mentioned that Abdul Muttalib is the one that instructed and requested that Abu Talib take this position. And a reason for that is that Abdullah, which was the father of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and Abu Talib, the uncle, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they were whole brothers, or what is commonly referred to as full brothers, as full brothers. So that is one of the reasons some of the ulama they mentioned, because their mother or their father obviously was Abdul Muttalib, Shaybah, and their mother was Fatima bint Amr. And Ibn Kathir he says, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was with his mother Amina bint Wahab, that or when she died. His grandfather Abdul Muttalib took care of him. He used to sit on his cushion, as we mentioned just now. He used to sit on his cushion and Abdul Muttalib would not eat any food without saying, bring me my son. He loved him, يعني, he loved him subhanallah. Bring me my son and he would be brought to him. When Abdul Muttalib was on his deathbed, he told Abu Talib to take care of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ibn Ishaq said, that when the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam reached the age of eight years, his grandfather Abdul Muttalib ibn Hashim died. After his grandfather, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam stayed with his paternal uncle, yani his father's brother, his paternal uncle Abu Talib, in accordance with the last wishes of Abdul Muttalib. And because he was the full brother, of the, of the Prophet's father Abdullah. Their mother was Fatima bint Amr. Then he says, So Abu Talib was the one who looked after the affairs of the Prophet And to add to that brothers from myself, يعني, after the father, the closest is, and the grandfather, the closest is the uncle. From the dad's side. From the dad's side, subhanAllah. 
Anyway, here he says that Abu Talib had no wealth. Or before that, so Abu Talib was the one who looked after the affairs of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Abu Talib had no wealth, but he loved him deeply more than he loved his own children. He would not sleep except if he was by his side, and when he went out, he would go with him, and he used to keep the best food for him, as we're about to see, inshaAllah ta'ala. So not only did Abu Talib take the position of the caretaker and the guardian of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but he fulfilled it in the best of ways, and the most complete of ways, often putting and attending to the Prophet's needs, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, more than his own children as Ibn Hisham mentions in his seerah. And one of these narrations which has been mentioned and narrated and related regarding this is what Ibn Sa'ad mentioned in his tabaqat that Ibn Abbas said, and really the chain is weak here, that Ibn Abbas, he said that when Abdul Muttalib passed away, Abdul Muttalib, the, the grandfather of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, that when Abdul Muttalib passed away, Abu Talib drew the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam towards him so that he would be with him. And Abu Talib wasn't wealthy. وَكَانَ يُحِبُّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ حُبًّا شَدِيدًا لَا يُحِبُّهُ وَلَدَهُ And he loved the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam a severe, strong love that he wouldn't even love his kids like that. And he didn't used to sleep except beside him. And when he would go out, he would go out with him. And he would single him out in regards to eating and the good foods. And if the family of Abu Talib ate together or individually, they would not get full. But when the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would eat with them, they would get full. So when he would want to feed his family, Abu Talib, when he would want to feed his family, he would tell them to stay put until the Prophet ﷺ arrives, and then he would eat with him. And a very important scenario, a very important occurrence and happening, a very important thing happened with Abu Talib and the Prophet ﷺ. For when the Prophet ﷺ went out to Syria for some trade, the Prophet ﷺ was with him, and other elders from Quraysh as we're about to see. But before we mention the narration that was mentioned by At-Tirmidhi in a chapter titled Babu ma jaa fi bad'i nubuwatin nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam the chapter which has been related about or the chapter which has been related about the start of the prophet's prophethood sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is an authentic narration. Wallahu a'lam as has been authenticated by many ulama. From them, Al-Hakim, who said that it's authentic according to the conditions of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Ibn Hajar likewise authenticated it, but he made a comment about a part of it, which we're going to see at the end of this instance of this narration, insha'Allah ta'ala. There are some of the ulama who weakened it, but as I said, there are many as well that authenticated it. Likewise, Ibn Kathir from our contemporaries, Al-Albani, Rahimahumullah, Al-Wadi'i and others. Let's see what the narration says. An Abi Bakr ibn Abi Musa an Abihi. Qala kharaja Abu Talibin ila al-Sham. Wa kharaja ma'ahu al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama fi ashyakhin min Quraysh. Falamma ashrafu ala al-Rahib. Habatu fahallu rihalahum. Fakharaja ilayhim al-Rahib. Wa kanu qabla thalika yamurruna bihi. Fala yakhruju ilayhim. Wa la yaltafit. That Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. 
radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, Abu Talib departed to Asham. Asham, yani, as generally we know it as Syria, but really Asham is more than that. Asham includes Syria and Palestine and Lebanon and Jordan and some even said some parts of Turkey and one, two, three. The point is here that subhanallah now he says Abu Musa al-Ash'ari that Abu Talib departed to Asham and it's mentioned that this specific place was called Busra and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam left with him and he was approximately 12 years old here. For the narration states that also along with them there was some older men from the Quraysh. They went there for trade. Then they came across a monk. A monk. So they stopped there and began setting up their camp. They descended from their mounts and the likes, and they started setting up to take a little break. The monk came out to them. And before that, as the narration says, they used to pass by this monk, and he would not come out to them. Not only would he not come out to them, the hadith says he wouldn't even pay attention to them. But don't forget our lesson, brothers, that we had regarding... How the Christians and the Jews, they know the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They know to the extent Allah azza wa jal when he mentions or as he mentions, as we already quoted multiple times, that they know him more than they know his own sons or their own sons. They know him more than they know their own sons. For here, the hadith mentions that this monk did not even used to pay any attention previously. Qala, فَهُمْ يَحُلُّونَ رِحَالَهُمْ فَجَعَلَ يَتَخَلَّلُهُمُ الرَّاهِبُ حَتَّى جَاءَ فَأَخَذَ بِيَدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ قَالَ هَذَا سَيِّدُ الْعَالَمِينَ هَذَا سَيِّدُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ أو هَذَا رَسُولُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ يَبْعَثُهُ اللَّهُ And in one it mentions بَعَثَهُ اللَّهُ رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ He said they were setting up their camp and then the monk came out walking amidst them. In one narration it mentions, by the way, this monk, his name was Bahira. Bahira, and it's mentioned as Ibn Hajar mentions, rahimahullah, and many other ulama, ba, with the fatha on the ba, ba, and then when it comes as well to the ha with a kasra, Bahira. So that was his name, or the name of this monk. For he came out, in one of the versions it says that he said to uh, the group, who do you have amongst you guys? So Abu Talib responded, us. So he said, do you have anyone else? He said, yes, a young boy, a young boy. For it's mentioned that when Bahira, he saw the face of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who Abu Talib referred to as the Sabi, the young boy, because he was 12 years approximately at the time. And mind you, Bahira knew, because as we said, the Christians and the Jews, they knew there was going to be a Prophet emerging. And the one that goes back and uh, 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 watches, I had a two lesson um, uh, uh, topic and two lesson or uh, uh, two lessons about um, Heraclius, the story of Heraclius. Right, you can go back to that. I think it's on YouTube or Vimeo or I don't know what else it's called. But the point is, it's there, and they, they know, Subhanallah, the signs. They know the alamat. They know about the Prophet's emergence, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. As we're gonna say very shortly. That's why I mentioned that. For he says anyway. So Bahira knows there's gonna be a Prophet emerging. For then he said, after taking the hand of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he mentions, "Hada Sayyidul Alamin." This is the master. He's talking about a 12-year-old boy. This is the master. This is the master of the worlds, meaning the master of the humankind and jinkind. Al-alamin. Then he says, هَذَا رَسُولُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ This is the messenger, the messenger of the Lord of the worlds. So now you can imagine, subhanAllah, يعني, that Abu Talib, what's he on about this, this monk? What's Bahira on about? 
And those who are the elder of Quraysh likewise, what's he on about? So, فَقَالَ لَهُ أَشْيَاخٌ مِنْ قُرَيْشٍ That some of the elders of Quraysh, they said, مَا عِلْمُكَ And what knowledge do you have? Pretty much, why are you saying that? What do you got? You know, what knowledge, etc. And mind you, back then, as we said, they know their books, they know their works. Not like today, generally, even a lot of the, the, the actual priests, the monks, all of the, a lot of them don't even know their own works. A lot of them don't even know their own books. Subhanallah. فَقَالَ إِنَّكُمْ حِينَ أَشْرَفْتُمْ مِنَ الْعَقَبَةِ وَالْعَقَبَةِ طَرِيقُ فِي الْجَبَلِ لَمْ يَبْقَى شَجَرٌ وَلَا حَجَرٌ إِلَّا خَرَّ سَاجِدًا وَلَا يَسْجُدَانِ إِلَّا لِنَبِيٍّ وَإِنِّي أَعْرِفُهُ بِخَاتْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْ غُضْرُوفِ كَتِفِهِ مِثْلَ التُفَّاحَةِ He said that when you people came along from the road, there was not a rock nor a tree except that was, that was left behind, except that it prostrated. And they do not prostrate to anyone except for a prophet. And I can recognize him by the seal of the prophethood, which is below his shoulder blade, like an apple. Meaning the size of an apple. And that's what we spoke about, I think, in approximately two lessons ago. ثُمَّ رَجَعَ فَصَنَعَ لَهُمْ طَعَامًا فَلَمَّا أَتَاهُمْ بِهِ وَكَانَ هُوَ فِي رِعِيَةِ الْإِبِلِ قَالَ أَرْسِلُوا إِلَيْهِ فَأَقْبَلَ عَلَيْهِ غَمَامَةٌ تُظِلُّهُ فَأَقْبَلَ عَلَيْهِ أَوْ فَأَقْبَلَ وَعَلَيْهِ غَمَامَةٌ تُظِلُّهُ Then he went back, this monk. And he made them some food and when he brought it to them, the Prophet ﷺ was tending to the camels. So he said, this is the uh, Rahib Bahira, the monk saying now to them, go and bring him, call him. So he said, send for him. So he came and there was a cloud over him that was shading him. فَلَمَّا دَنَا مِنَ الْقَوْمِ That when the Prophet ﷺ came closer, وَجَدَهُمْ قَدْ سَبَقُوهُ إِلَى فَيْءِ الشَّجَرَةِ That he found that they had beaten him to the tree's shade. To the tree's shade. فَلَمَّا جَلَسَ مَا لَفَيْءُ الشَّجَرَةِ عَلَيْهِ That when the Prophet ﷺ sat, the shade of the tree ended up covering, leaning towards Rasulullah ﷺ. Then the Rahib Bahira, he says, Unzuru, look, Unzuru ila fayi shajarati mala alayhi. Look at the, the, the shadow or the shade of the tree leaning towards him. Qala fabaynana aw fabaynama, fabaynama huwa qaimun alayhim, wa huwa yunashiduhum an la yadhabu bihi ila rum, fa inna rum ida ra'ohu arafuhu bisifati, fayaktulunah. He said so whilst he was standing over them, telling them, almost pleading with them, don't take him to Rome. Because if the Romans were to see him, they would recognize him. They would recognize the Prophet ﷺ by his description and then they would kill him. فَالْتَفَتَ فَإِذَا بِسَبْعَةٍ قَدْ أَقْبَلُوا مِنَ الرُّومِ فَاسْتَقْبَلَهُمْ فَقَالَ مَا جَاءَ بِكُمْ قَالُوا جِئْنَا أَنَّ هَذَا النَّبِيَّ خَارِجٌ فِي هَذَا الشَّهْرِ فَلَمْ يَبْقَى طَرِيقٌ إِلَّا بُعِثَ إِلَيْهِ بِأُنَاسٍ وَإِنَّا قَدْ أُخْبِرْنَا خَبَرَهُ بُعِثْنَا إِلَى طَرِيقِكَ هَذَا He turned, this is now Bahira, and then there were seven people that had come from Rome. Seven people. So he faced them and he said, why have you come? They said, we came because this is the month in which a prophet is going to appear. This is the month in which a prophet is going to appear. And there isn't a road left except that there have been people sent to it. And we have been informed of him, and we have been sent to this road of yours. He said to them, Is there anyone behind you that is better than you? 
قَالُوا إِنَّمَا أُخْبِرْنَا خَبَرَهُ بِطَرِيقِكَ هَذَا They said indeed we have news or we only have news of him, of this road of yours or from this road of yours. قَالَ أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ And wallah, this is such profound, uh, 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 such a profound statement by this monk. قَالَ أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ أَمْرًا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَقْضِيَهُ هَلْ يَسْتَطِيعُ أَحَدٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ رَدَّهُ قَالُوا لَا he says, do you think, look subhanAllah, do you think that if there's a matter which Allah Azza wa Jal, you're telling us you've been sent from Rome, the Romans would kill the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam if they knew of him. They would recognize him because of the description that they have in their books. So if they were to recognize him and know that he's a prophet, they would kill him. For now you're coming and you're saying that you've been sent here because there's going to be a prophet emerging in this, uh, uh, this month. And for example, he's coming from this road or possibly from this road. And what are you going to do? Kill him? And if he's a prophet, that means he's sent from Allah Azza wa Jal. If he's sent from Allah Azza wa Jal, do you think Allah will not protect his prophet from a little group of Romans? Subhanallah. So Bahira, he says to, he says to them, do you think that if there is a mara which Allah Azza wa Jal wishes to bring about, there is anyone amongst the people who can turn it away? Look at this, yani, subhanallah, the, the, the mindset here. Such a profound statement, wallahi. So they said no. So he says, They ended up joining him and giving him the pledge. And they stayed with him. Then Bahira says, I ask you by Allah, which one of you is the guardian of this boy? Then Abu Talib, فَلَمْ يَزَلْ يُنَاشِدُهُ حَتَّى رَدَّهُ أَبُو طَالِبْ then he kept asking, kept asking by Allah, this is the Rahib now. Then Abu Talib ended up saying him, وَبَعَثَ مَعَهُ أَبُو بَكْرٍ بِلَالًا وَزَوَّدَهُ الرَّاهِبُ مِنَ الْكَعْكِ وَالزَّيْدِ Then Abu Talib ended up, because of the pleading of this monk of Abu Bahira, he ended up sending him back. And it's mentioned that he sent back Abu Bakr and Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the monk gave them provisions of ka'ak, a type of bread and the likes and olive oil. Now going back to the authenticity, that's pretty much in a nutshell the story of Bahira the monk and what happened with him and Abu Talib and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Regarding the authenticity going back to that, many of the ulama who authenticated it, they did mention that accept that statement where it's mentioned that he sent him back with Abu Bakr and Bilal. Why? Because some of the ulama, they mentioned that Bilal wasn't even existent back then. He wasn't even alive. Uh, and this is the importance of hadith and the sciences of hadith and the importance of going back to the ulama, my brothers, in respect to the understanding of the Qur'an and the sunnah. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, وَقَعَ فِي كُتُبِ أَوْ كِتَابِ التِّرْمِذِ وَغَيْرِهِ أَنَّهُ بَعَثَ مَعَهُ بِلَالًا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَهُوَ مِنَ الْغَلَطِ الْوَاضِحِ فَإِنَّ بِلَالًا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ إِذَّاكَ لَعَلَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ مَوْجُودًا وَإِنْ كَانْ فَلَمْ يَكُنْ مَعَ عَمِّهِ لَا مَعَ وَلَا مَعَ أَبِي بَكْرِ that in Zadul Ma'ad ibn al-Qayyim pretty much is saying that it came in the text or the book of At-Tirmidhi that the, um, Abu Talib sent the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa back with Abu Bakr and Bilal and that's a clear mistake. That's a clear mistake. For indeed, you know, it's quite possible that 
uh, or most likely that Bilal wasn't even or was non-existent. يعني. And then he says, وَإِنْ كَانْ Even if he was, he wasn't with the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, nor was he with Abu Bakr. And Al-Dhahabi, and that is one of the reasons Al-Dhahabi actually rejected this narration. And there's a fair bit of words regarding that. And I'll just mention what Al-Albani rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, he says, Sahih, it is authentic, وَلَكِنْ uh, except ذِكْرَ بِلَالْ فِيهِ مُنْكَرْ كَمَا قِيلٍ That except that the mentioning of Bilal in the narration pretty much isn't authentic وَيَقُولْ صَحِيحُ وَلَكِنْ ذِكْرُ بِلَالٍ فِيهِ مُنْكَرْ And he says it is authentic, but the mentioning of Bilal in the narration once again isn't authentic. And he says وَقَدْ بَسَطُّ الْقَوْلَ فِي تَصْحِيحِ الْحَدِيثِ وَالْجَوَابِ عَمَّا أُعِلَّ لَهُ فِي الرَّدِّ عَلَى الدُّكْتُورِ الْبُوطِ وَذَكَرْتُ سَبْعَةً مِنَ الْحُفَّاظِ سَبَقُونِ إِلَى تَصْحِيحِهِ And he says, I explained the authentication of this hadith. And the answer to the reasons it was classified as defective and weak, يعني, in the refutation of um, the Dr. Al-Buti, and I mentioned seven. This is important, subhanAllah. I mentioned, this is Al-Bani rahimahullah ta'ala saying, I mentioned seven of the Hufav who have preceded me in authenticating the narration. And Al-Hafid, he says in Al-Isaba, Al-Hadith, Rijaluhu Thiqat, that the Hadith, its men are trustworthy. And then he goes on to say, except for the statement once again, of him getting sent back with Bilal and Abu Bakr. And I was going to add a few bits of points or points regarding this actual instance, but inshaAllah ta'ala, I thought we'll leave it at that, just so we don't go too long. Barakallahu feekum, wa jazakumullahu khayra, wallahu a'la wa a'lam wa sallillahumma wa sallim wa barik ala Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.